and welcome to another part of today's Memorial Day special. And uh, we're going to talk a bit of sports, a bit of the military, a bit of everything with my next guest, Kenny Albert. That's right, yes, Kenny Albert. We might see, you know, at a baseball game doing the, you know, ALCS, the World Series. You might see him doing football on Sundays. You might see him anywhere because he literally is everywhere. Kenny, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Alex. Uh, hope you're doing well and staying safe, and to all your listeners as well. And to be honest, beyond the TV screen, you and I have had this friendship for now, what, 20-something years, it feels like, dating back to the Viscardi school days. Well, it's hard to believe it's that long, but uh, that was always one of the highlights of the year, every May, uh, attending the event at Viscardi and, and seeing you and uh, so many of the others who, who made it such a special place. So i got to ask you, if it was a normal year, a normal Memorial Day, I'm sure you would be at a game today. So what was on your schedule? Well, I would most likely be on the road during the NHL playoffs. Uh, normally, between early April and early June, um, I'm busy with hockey, with NBC for the first three rounds, and the Rangers on the radio side as far as uh, they go every year. And then... Uh, with Westwood one for the Stanley cup finals. So normally a, a real busy time of the year. Don't know exactly where I would have been, but uh, would have either been at a hockey rink or a hotel or on a, on a flight heading somewhere. Well, I know also in the fall, in the winter, you also do basketball. So when does that time kind of stop for you to do the, the hockey and, and other stuff in the spring? Well, there are certain times of the year, Alex, that are more hectic than others. Um, in October, when, when everything overlaps, uh, during normal times, football on the weekends, uh, baseball playoff series over the last couple of years during the week, uh, Rangers hockey, uh, some NBC hockey, and I also slide over uh, and work about 20 Knicks games on the TV side as well. So between October and uh, March, it's obviously very busy with, with hockey and basketball and uh, during the autumn months and then uh, April and May, early June, hockey playoffs, a little bit of downtime in the summer, baseball on Saturdays, but usually home a lot during the week, during the summer months. Uh, I got to ask you this, because you are such a family man. You see it on Instagram, Twitter. He, you're very about your daughters, your family. So how close, how much closer have you gotten to them because you're not traveling during these last few months? Well, it's a great question. Uh, have definitely been home, obviously, uh, since early March, March 12th was when I flew home with the Rangers. We had a game in Denver the night before, and uh, today as we speak on Memorial Day, it's 75 straight days at home. So um, one of the positives has certainly been uh, the time around the family. We've been together for that entire time, and that normally does not happen during the course of the year just due to everybody's schedules, but especially mine with all the, all the work and travel. So if there's one positive to take out of the current situation, for a lot of us, it's certainly that. Obviously, you would love to be working, and I always wonder, because you're doing all these multi-sports, how do you prepare for each game that are literally three days at a, apart at times? Right, and sometimes uh, sometimes even two games in one day. That's happened on a couple of occasions and uh, multiple games in a week. To me, the preparation's the most important thing. Uh, you have to be real organized, and I have a, a checklist for each sport that I go through prior to every broadcast for a few days or even a week. Uh, if it's a national football game or a baseball game on a Saturday where I'm not normally around the teams too often and I come in to work that one game per week, uh, there's a lot of reading involved, uh, studying the teams and the history and the players, and also I, I try to watch previous games and then 
for football, we go in on Fridays and go to the home team practice and talk to players and coaches. We do the same thing with the visiting team Saturday for a baseball game. For On a Saturday, I'll go on the Friday and, and hang around on the field and uh, just try to soak it all in and, and talk to people and listen and uh, gather information. Uh, for hockey and basketball, it's a little different because you're around the teams a lot more frequently, but still go to practices and do a lot of reading as well. So although the sports are different to call and, and a little different to prepare for because of the volume of information that's out there. Um, like I said, I have sort of a checklist in my mind that I go through prior to each and every broadcast. I've got to ask you, though, during the broadcast, right, like uh, do you ever think about, man, should I prepare more? Th-? Like how do you focus on each game when you're doing it, when you got all these other games to prepare for as well? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, I, I try to look at every game the same, whether it's a preseason game or a playoff game. Um, obviously, uh, if it's a if it's a playoff game or a game seven of a series, obviously it has a lot more meaning than a, a preseason game or a regular season. But I, I really try to do it the same way. Um, football, for sure, is uh, the sport that um, lends itself to the most hours of preparation. I might have a game week fifteen of a season involving two teams that I haven't seen all year, and I realize that. Most people watching, the fans of those teams have, have watched every game. So I need to catch up and, uh, like I said, do a lot of reading and watching prior games. But I, I really do try to prepare for every game the same. Now, when, when I have that high volume of games, Alex, um, maybe four or five in a week, uh, you just have to be real organized. I find that I get a lot of work done on planes and in cars and Ubers and taxis and hotel rooms because you don't have all the distractions you might uh, when you're home or at the arena, so uh, actually get a lot a lot of work done on the road. I don't mind those long flights because I tend to get a lot more done. Kenny, you are a radio guy, so as you go to these different markets, are you listening to what the sports team, sports fans are talking about on the local radio stations as well? I do occasionally. Um, if I'm in a taxi or an Uber, uh, sometimes I'll ask them to put on the sports station. Um, you know, a lot of the knowledge that I acquire is through reading uh, the local newspapers, for example, the local articles, and you do get a good flavor for the city that way. Um, but occasionally I will. I don't necessarily do it for every game, but um, in certain cities uh, where there are multiple all-sports stations, for example, do try to uh, tune in at times and, and get a little bit of the flavor for sure. But, you know, Kenny, you do all these national, but we all know you at home as the Ranger announcer and the Nick announcer, so i got to ask you about those teams Prior to this whole pause, the Knicks were kind of, you know, they were somewhat okay, then they weren't okay. I mean, it was it was a struggle. But I want to get your thoughts on uh, R.J. Barrett because how did you think he fared in his first season? I think he certainly had a lot of ups. Um, if you ask him, I'm, I'm sure he would say there were some downs as well on the court. He, he went through some injuries. But I think overall he has a, a terrific future ahead. Uh, he had some really good games this year. And I think the Knicks as a team have a terrific future. Um, bringing in Leon Rose as president, he's made some uh, what looked like really nice hires in the front office. And uh, Scott Perry uh, staying on as general manager I think is a good move. So I think the future's bright. And uh, so fortunate to get to work with Walt Clyde Frazier on approximately 20 games every year. Uh, one of the greatest Knicks of all time. And the Knicks recently celebrated the 50th anniversary of their first championship on May 8, 1970, and I had a chance to watch that game and a couple of shows on MSG and other networks, uh, which included Zoom conversations with some of the uh, Knicks stars from that time. So always a lot of fun 
not sure if you've ever met Clyde, but he's a true gentleman. I've never seen him turn down an autograph or a photo request. So, uh, so much fun to work with him each and every time that I uh, get to work a Nick game on MSG. And if I'm not mistaken, he actually did come out to uh, Viscardi at least once that I can remember for Sports Night. So he's I think out. you're right. I think he did. Absolutely. <laughs> and you talk about the Friday night into Saturday. I got a little story. So my dad and I, you know, we were uh, on Shea Stadium ground during the uh, L.A. Dodgers Mets series. And you and I and my dad were just talking behind the plate uh, one summer night. That was pretty fun. I don't know if you remember that or not, but it was uh, a few years ago already. Oh, no, I do. Absolutely. I remember seeing you there at Yankee Stadium through the years and, of course, at the Viscardi Center. So always, always fun to catch up. All right. I'm sure people listening to this might want to know about your sleep pattern because everyone's sleep pattern has been kind of messed up during this. But you, you're on the go all the time. So how is your sleep and how do you make sure that uh, is cared for when you do games and before you do games? Well, it's been uh, pretty good during the last uh, 75 days because I don't think I've had to set an alarm once um, with no work and, and nowhere to go. Uh, I've actually found myself going to sleep earlier uh, during the course of the season. Many, many nights throughout the year, I'm getting home or to a hotel at 2 or 3 in the morning. And no one's really ever asked me that, Alex. It's a great question, but the sleep pattern definitely is uh, thrown off during the course of the work year. Uh, many, many nights, like I said, I'm, la- I'm landing in the middle of the night uh, on a flight or with one of the teams and coming home at 2 or 3 in the morning. And uh, there are other times where even if I'm going to sleep at a normal time, I have to get up at 5 or 6 a.m. for a flight the next day. So uh, that's probably been the biggest change, actually, during, during this quarantine stay-at-home period is uh, never having to get up too early and uh, going to sleep a lot earlier. I, I found myself going to sleep at 11 o'clock a lot of nights, uh, whereas during normal times and work, uh, off and up, even when I'm home until midnight, 12.30, 1 o'clock, watching a game, getting some extra work done. But uh, that's been a lot different during the last two and a half months. You know, I'm watching these guys, uh, doing, you know, John Shambi and, and uh, Mendoza are doing these Korean baseball games. They're, they're fun with it, but... I wonder what it'd be like for everybody just doing games from home. It's almost impossible to think of, isn't it? Well, you know, just from hearing rumors and reading about what might happen when we first come back, um, a lot of us might be working games out of a studio, at least at first. I think at some point it will certainly get back to normal and we'll be at the games and in the broadcast booth. But um, as you mentioned, the ESPN telecast of the Korean Baseball League, they're obviously doing those out of a studio or out of their homes. Um, I know Fox has had NASCAR races over the last couple of weeks, and the announcers have not been on site. They've been at a studio in Charlotte. Um, with regard to uh, the sports that are in pause right now, hockey, basketball, football, uh, baseball, it's definitely a challenge. Uh, harder to do games off the screen. I've done it on a couple of occasions, but that may be what we're looking at uh, once we come back, at least at the start, to cut down on travel and until uh, – testing and a a vaccine are perfected uh we certainly might not be doing as much travel as we're used to during normal times and uh how would you do that because when you're in the arena field you know basketball court anywhere that the adrenaline just comes to you so how would you be able to do that from home it just it it feels a little weird to try and do that but i'm sure you would do it (laughs) well not only the adrenaline but you just have such a better view of the court the ice the field um when you're at the arena or at the stadium. You, you can kind of see everything. 
if you're watching on TV monitors, uh, you can only see what those cameras and, and the director at the time is focused on. So it is, it is a bit of a challenge. Um, it can be done. Like I said, I've done it on a few occasions, and I know uh, even with big events such as the Olympics, uh, the announcers covering certain sports over the last few Olympics games have been in a studio and not on site. Um, so, again, it can be done, but it's uh, definitely a bigger challenge than if you're at the event. You just mentioned the Olympics. Of course, the hopefully there will be one in 2021. And you've done the Olympics too, haven't you? I have. I've worked five Winter Olympics, uh, men's and women's ice hockey, and uh, one Summer Olympics, did track and field in Rio. But uh, for the most part, my Olympic experience has been uh, during the winter doing hockey games. And, I mean, we can all remember... Well, and this pandemic kind of put a damper on the, the whole 40th anniversary, didn't it? Because the Miracle on Ice did happen 40 years ago this year. It did. And I, I know the movie Miracle was on the other day, and, and they've shown some of the games on television. Uh, the Islanders won their first Stanley Cup 40 years ago yesterday. I know that game was shown on a couple of networks on MSG and the NHL Network. So a couple of big hockey anniversaries, 40th anniversaries here in 1980. And as you, you know, you get to watch this when you're younger, now you get to know all these guys. What's that like? Yeah, it was kind of surreal initially getting to uh, know some of those folks and working with them. Uh, Bobby Nystrom, who scored the Stanley Cup winning overtime goal for the Islanders at 80, wound up as one of my part-time broadcast partners about 10 years later. Uh, I've met a number of the uh, players from the 80 Olympic team and uh, some of them played for the Rangers, and uh, a number of them, most of them played in the NHL, so it's it's always uh, neat to meet them. And uh, Jack O'Callaghan, for example, who was a defenseman on the Miracle on Ice team, just met him for the first time about four months ago in Chicago when we were in there with the Rangers. So it's, it's a lot of fun to listen to all their stories, and hard to believe it's been 40 years. And I know that you've got stories of your own, and I want to ask about the Rangers while we're on ice hockey for a minute. I mean, Panarin seemingly was unstoppable this year. He was. Uh, Panarin and, and Zibanejad were having unbelievable seasons. Uh, the Rangers are a, a real young, exciting team. I think they have a great future ahead. Uh, when you look at uh, the young goaltenders, Shosturkin and Georgiev, and uh, Panarin, who you mentioned, coming in as a free agent, and Mika Zibanejad, and the season he was having, he scored five goals in a game against Washington just before the pause. Uh, Chris Kreider signed a new seven-year contract. And then some of the young defensemen, Adam Fox and Ryan Lindgren and Tony D'Angelo, were having really good years. And I think David Quinn's the perfect coach for this team. So uh, they were two points out when, when the season went on pause. Uh, if the NHL does come back with a 24-team uh, playoff, they will be there. And, uh, again, like I said, I think they have a real bright future. Kenny, we're all talking about the future, especially when we have interviews with different people. But I want to know you, about you. I want to know some of your favorite stories while I have you here. Uh, being a broadcaster and, and being in this industry for the years you've been? Well, there are certainly a lot of stories. Um, a number of them have to do with, with travel, and, and fortunately I've never missed a game uh, due to crazy travel or weather issues, but uh, there have been some some close calls. Um, there's a story that, that's been circulating a little bit uh NHL.com did a story on it a couple of months ago. Uh, my first job, Alex, was in Baltimore broadcasting minor league hockey with the Baltimore Skipjacks. And uh, they were the AAA affiliate of the Washington Capitals at the time. And it was uh, a, an unbelievable two years when I look back. I would never trade that in for anything. And uh, Barry Trotz, the head coach of the Islanders, was our assistant coach. And we were road roommates for two years to save money. The organization had the 
the radio announcer and the assistant coach room together, and every year they would set up a fake arrest when they went up to Canada to play some of the teams in the Maritimes, and it was a practical joke, and I was the subject one year, so I was uh, driven around in an official-looking car for about 15 minutes and asked all kinds of questions. Is your passport valid? Have you ever been arrested? Do you know anyone that's in real trouble? And I wasn't exactly sure what was taking place while it was happening, but uh, it turned out it was a practical joke set up by Barry Trotz at the time. I know he's a character, and he's a winner, but he also is that character that kind of lightens the mood in the locker room, is doesn't he? Yeah, he really does. He's a great coach and won a Stanley Cup with Washington two years ago, and uh, but a terrific guy. Um, if you met him on the street, if you ran into him, you would have no idea he was the you know, fourth winningest coach in the history of the National Hockey League. He's just a true gentleman. And, of course, you know, with the, with the Islanders now, he's he's really turned that franchise around a little bit. Oh, absolutely, along with Lou Lamorello uh, mm. coming in as general manager. They've been there for two years now, and uh, they've done a great job. And, and from those two guys, you probably wouldn't expect anything less. Well, and Lamorello especially, he's really <laughs> retooled that. And hopefully, you know, they come back to the island. I know that Long Island misses them. Well, they are uh, building an arena out at Belmont, so they won't be uh, uh, at Nassau Coliseum for uh, many more years. Uh, they, they have returned to Long Island and, and played a lot of games this past season at Nassau, and I know that's their plan next year. Uh, but after that, it'll be a, a brand-new arena right by Belmont Racetrack. And, uh, I, I mean, the Belmont Stakes running in June is just amazing. Even without spectators, that should be fun to watch. But, Kenny, today is Memorial Day, so do you have any memories of calling games on this day specifically that, that stand out to you? Uh, to be honest, not too many because, um, obviously, football does not take place during this time of year. Uh, the baseball games that I work are usually only on Saturdays. So the only games would be hockey playoff games, and uh, sometimes it would be an off day. So uh, I, I've probably spent a lot more Memorial Days home uh, then on the road, but uh, hockey playoff games would have been the only ones uh, for sure since I don't do baseball on weekdays. Do you have family? that? Do you know of people that you think about, especially at this day, that, that maybe people don't know about? Like, you know, do you have family that serve that you think about during this day? Well, I do have uh, uh, grandfathers who have passed away, but uh, they were a huge part of my life. Uh, they passed away when I was about 20 uh, nine or 30 and, and the other one when I was around 40 and, and they both served in the military but uh, both came home and, and lived long lives so certainly think about them and uh, uh, send wishes to others who uh, obviously lost loved ones and um, always great thoughts on Memorial Day uh, for all of our troops and uh, those who have served through the years. And it's incredible to think that the frontline workers now, the hospital you know, doctors and nurses are now part of that, right? They are part of the heroes that we talk about. Right. They're all doing an unbelievable job. You know, you see some of the, the videos and stories on TV, and uh, you have to tip your caps to everything that they've done over the last uh, two-plus months. Kenny, you know, with Sports World being impacted, we just saw Patrick Ewing actually get diagnosed with corona. First of all, during this whole thing, when they were despite deciding to put the season on pause, and you're flying back in the plane, were you worried at all because of what was going on by March 12th? Well, I think it, it was certainly on the minds of, of all of us uh, during the few weeks leading up to the pause uh, when we started hearing stories about, uh, you know, what was taking place overseas and then when uh, people at home were, were starting to uh, come down with the virus. And on March 
11th when I was in Denver working that last hockey game, the Rangers and Avalanche. That was the night when the story came out about Rudy Gobert and Tom Hanks from Australia, along with his wife, um, when they announced that they had uh, COVID-19. So, uh, sure, I mean, I remember on that last plane ride, we were all uh, wiping down everything and, and using Purell and, and washing our hands numerous times. Um, and then for the first few weeks at home, uh, just, you know, worrying and hoping that uh, nobody had the virus. And I think after about two or three weeks, uh, you know, those fears lessened a little bit just because we were home and weren't really going near any other people. We were still scrubbing down and, and wiping down packages that came in, but probably had a little more confidence once once we were all home and isolated for a couple of weeks. But sure, I think you always have to, until there's a vaccine, you probably have to worry about it um, anytime you go out. And um, like I said, we haven't really gone uh, anywhere around people, aside from the four of us. Uh, we've, we've done some takeout from restaurants, but they bring it out, place it on a table, you get out of your car, you're not near anybody. So, uh, But still taking all the precautions. I probably wash my hands uh, you know, 20 times more than I used to. And I'm just... Um, I'm actually and, looking. Uh, just, just try to wipe down everything and be safe. I'm looking back at the game, and I remember this. It was overtime in in Denver, and uh, you know the Avalanche had won it in overtime. But it must have felt so much longer than that because of the news coming out that night, doing that game. It, it was a surreal night uh, throughout the entire broadcast. Even though the NHL had not canceled yet, the NBA had gone on pause, and I was kind of thinking to myself the entire game, this could be the last game for a while. Now I was thinking maybe for a couple of weeks or a month. I don't think any of us figured it would go this long uh, back then on March 11th, but there was a, a surreal, bizarre feeling throughout the course of that game, absolutely. Ken, you know, a lot of people, you know, may boo the athletes, may boo the players whenever they're on the road, but but I think this one kind of shows that everybody's vulnerable, right? Like nobody is really above anybody, and hopefully people don't start throwing things on the field again once this thing starts because of that recognition that we're all human. Right, absolutely, hopefully not. You mentioned Patrick Ewing, and uh, I actually, he was a broadcast partner of mine back in 96 for a couple of games. We did NBA Summer League games together, and uh, I've had the chance to run into him uh, on occasion through the years, and uh, obviously sending him uh, best wishes for a speedy recovery. And I cannot let you go without asking a couple more things. The last dance, you got a chance to see it, I'm sure. What are your memories being a broadcaster during that 90s era? Well, I was a young broadcaster during that time and didn't do too many NBA games in the 90s. I, I did a few when I was working in Washington, and one of them was actually against the Chicago Bulls, so I had the opportunity to work one Michael Jordan game, but it was a lot of fun to watch. And really my biggest memories that it brought back, uh, I worked in a behind-the-scenes role for NBC in Barcelona in 92, so I had a front-row seat to all of the games played by the Dream Team. So. Uh, that certainly brought back memories, uh, having watched the greatest team in basketball history from up close. But I uh, really enjoyed seeing the behind-the-scenes uh, footage from practices and the things that we had never seen before and a lot of the interviews as well. So I was, like uh, a lot of your listeners, I'm sure, I was glued to the TV uh, for those five Sunday nights for two hours each time. Do you think they portrayed it well? I think they did. I think they did a fantastic job with that whole thing. Yeah, I think they did, and obviously there was some controversy involving Scottie Pippen and, and Dennis Rodman and some others, but um, I think the producers uh, did a terrific job uh, in putting the last dance together. I know they had to rush it a little bit at the end. It was not scheduled to run until a few months later than it did, but um, I think it gave uh, the country uh, certainly something to do for those 10 hours, and 
when you look at the the ratings, you know, five, six million people per show, uh, it was certainly well worth it from their standpoint. I've got to ask you this. How is Dad doing? I mean, everybody probably is wondering how Marv Albert's doing. How is Dad doing? He's good. He's in his apartment in New York. I know he's doing a lot of reading and watching TV and movies and catching up on everything, but doing real well. And that's good to hear. And I've got to ask this because... I feel like some broadcasters may be doing, like, honing their skills and doing play-by-play. Have you turned on the TV and muted it and done games yourself? Have you tried that for sort of practice? Not really. <laughs> I, I think we all, as play-by-play broadcasters, tend to do it in our head once in a while if you're at a game that you're not working or watching on television. But, uh, no, I think uh, the only the only practice, the only play-by-play I've really done, um, I've been doing Cameo videos for charity. Cameo's a company. Uh, you can find them online or on their app. Uh, celebrities, actors, athletes, sportscasters um, can do a 30-second to one-minute video uh, for you, whether it's a birthday greeting, a Father's Day greeting, uh, uh, just some play-by-play involving your favorite team. And um, I've been donating all the proceeds to charity, to various uh, charities and restaurants uh, to feed the frontline workers during the course of this time. So that's been a lot of fun. So I've had a couple of uh, snippets of play-by-play during the filming of those videos. Kenny, where can people find that? That's really cool. Uh, you can go to their website, cameo.com. Uh, they have an app as well, so those are probably the uh, best places to find it. I know I tweeted about it a couple of weeks ago, so you can go back and search the uh, the history on Twitter as well. But uh, like I said, all the, all the proceeds, uh, at least for mine, and I know some others are doing the same thing, uh, are going to charity. And, you know, you work real closely with Brady and Manning. What was it like watching them do the golfing yesterday with Tiger and Phil and, and raising $19 million, by the way? Yeah, they did an unbelievable job. Uh, the All-In Challenge, which I took part in as well, was a big uh, uh, a part of yesterday's festivities. Um, but, yeah, no, it was a lot of fun to watch. And, and the fact that they were mic'd and you can hear some of their conversations, uh, I think, uh, I haven't seen the ratings yet, but I'm sure that... Uh, Many, many sports fans, millions around the country, uh, tuned in yesterday. And, you know, always fun to see athletes competing in another sport. And I know both Brady and, and Manning talked about it at the end during the, the post-match interview about how sort of unnerved they felt uh, being out there on a golf course with, with two of the all-time greats. Kenny, your last, what's your message for sports fans that know you, that, that, you know, love your work, that know your work, that know the voice? What, what's your message to them today? as you get to talk to them and uh, through this podcast today? Well, the biggest thing, Alex, is, again, hopefully everybody's healthy and staying safe and hanging in there. Uh, we've uh, all gone through tough times, and, and some more so than others. Um, but hopefully uh, life is, is back to as close to normal as it, as it will be pretty soon, and uh, sports are a big part of that for so many of us. So uh, there have been some positive reports lately about the potential returns of pro sports hopefully that's the case and uh can't wait to see you and and a lot of the listeners back out there at arenas and stadiums hopefully real soon kenny let's make it so and when these plans become finalized maybe come on back and give us an update on what what's going on absolutely i'd love to anytime that was kenny albert the you know he's one of the he's the only sportscaster doing all four major sports now it's pretty amazing that you're doing this kenny so thanks for joining us today thanks alex anytime and uh, hope to see you soon Definitely. I'm Alexander Garrett. Have a blessed rest of your Memorial Day.